to you as I was thinking as Brother Junior was singing. You know, we think about our lives and the difficulties we go through. But the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7 that we can cast all our care upon him for he careth for you. And um, when you think about life, that's not what I'm going to preach on today, but when I was sitting there thinking, as he thinks about that altar, we have the right to come, but so many times we go through difficulties in life and we wonder for people who do not know the Lord, how do they deal with it? We sang this morning two of my favorite songs, that song, He Knows My Name. I, I couldn't tell you what it's done for me personally. I couldn't explain to you everything it's done for me. And then that song, God is Still Good, is an old song, but kind of new song to me. It's just been those things. And then as Brother Junior sings about the altar, I'm reminded that God knows what I'm going through. Do you, do you realize that, that God knows the intimate details of your life? And I'm thankful that we've got someone turned to that altar as we think about this. And somebody says, well, we don't normally go to the altar to the end. No, you don't ever go. <laughs> Back up just a little bit. I jokingly say that, but here's the truth. We get so programmed in our life. And I say this to you in the, your life is, what are you doing with your burdens? They weren't meant to be carried. They were meant to be cast. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter number 15. This is, Lord willing, what I'm going to preach on today because I think it applies to uh, what we're dealing with, but it also is the next, ser next uh, chapter in our study on the book of Acts. I've enjoyed the book of Acts. I'll remind you again that these were real people dealing with real problems. How do you know that? They're about to deal with the first problem, one that we've dealt with that everybody I know has dealt with, and that is church problems. You ever been hurt at church? <laughs> oh, somebody says, well, we ain't got time to talk about all that. Acts chapter number 15 and verse number 35, the Bible says, uh, we'll take as a text verse, the Bible says this, Paul and Barnabas, notice this, continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And I'd like for a little while, with the help of the Lord, preach on the subject on continuing teaching and preaching. Now, we get to this chapter, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, and, and there's a historical significance, and we'll, we'll go through some of that stuff in just a minute, but I, I want you to understand this. At the end of the chapter, you find this thought, they sailed on, and they continued teaching and preaching. And I ask you this question, whenever you go through difficulties in life, at the end of them, you must find yourself continuing preaching and teaching. I understand not everybody is a missionary as we think about Paul and Barnabas and, and Silas, but everybody should continue. Acts chapter number 15, uh, we get to it and we got just finished with Acts chapter 14 and, and they rehearsed all that God had done with them through the open doors. They had just finished their first missionary journey. They had, oh God, they had seen God do some miraculous things. And I say this to you, as soon as that happens, somebody gets upset. I like what one author said about this. He, he said, closed-minded people always have a problem with God's open doors. 
And so it says at the end of chapter 14, said, man, the doors open to the Gentiles. We're not just, not just for the Jews anymore. We're going to the Gentiles. Peter had already seen his vision and, and he preached to Cornelius. And, and now Paul was going to the Gentiles and God was beginning to work. And then all of a sudden you got a problem. And I'm not a pessimist, but I am a biblicist. Anytime God starts saving people, there will be problems. And I'm going to go a step further. Those problems always come from people. <laughs> you say, why is that the, this situation? Because that's just what we deal with is we deal with people. Preachers used to joke. It was a joke when you go into there. They said, man, the ministry would be fun if it weren't for people. <laughs> but people is where the problems always come from. I want you to notice with me the first thing this morning. Notice the disagreement. In Acts chapter 15, verse number 1, it says, so we don't go back with me in verse, chapter 14, verse 27. It says, and when they were come, they'd gathered together and they'd rehearsed all that God had done with them, how he'd opened the door of faith in the Gentiles, and there they abode a long time with the disciples. So, man, things are good. They've rehearsed everything that has happened. They're not looking at difficulty, but they're looking at open doors. And then notice in the first word of verse 1, and. So they're at the church of Antioch, and the Bible says this, And a certain man which came down from Judea taught the brethren, saying, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. He says, And when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. So here's the, 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 the legalist Jews, the Jews who said you've got to go back and keep the law, that faith in, in the finished work of Christ is not enough. He said you've got to go back and you've got to do it our way and you've got to be a part of our group. And they brought that doctrine to the church at Antioch. Now, Paul and Barnabas had already withstood the world and the world's crowd. They'd already, they'd already fought with the Pharisees and they'd already dealt with the religious leaders and now this was happening inside the church and the, 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 there was a dispute. There, were, there was a struggle that was going on. And they didn't fully quite understand those legalistic Jews. Uh, they, they honored the law of Moses. They did not fully understand the concept of justification by faith. And it was a time of transition and it, all they'd ever known was the law. And I want to say this to you. The world is still fighting the same struggle. Religious people are still fighting this whole battle. I'll get to it in just a moment. But they came down and they said, no, you can't be saved without keeping, without being circumcised and looking back to the law. So they decided in verse, verse number two that they'd go to Jerusalem. Sometimes this meeting is called the Jerusalem Council. But notice in verse number 3 it says, And they being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenix and, Sam uh, and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So Paul and Barnabas, they're going to Jerusalem. And notice this thought, they were sent or they were brought on the way by the church. It is a biblical pattern for the church to take care of its missionaries and its evangelists. And so they're carried on, and now they're rehearsing all that God has done, and it's going great. In verse number 4 and 5, it says, And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received to the church and to the apostles and the elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there arose up certain of the sect and the Pharisees, which believed, saying, notice this word, that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. 
and apostles and the elders, they came together to consider this matter. But I want you to circle in verse number five this little word needful. So they, they did not say to, to Paul and Barnabas, uh, we, we're going to keep keeping the law and we've just been trained this way and, and though Christ has come to fulfill the law, we're going to keep doing it. No, they said this statement. They said it is needful for you to be circumcised and to keep the law in order to be saved. You say, what is wrong with that, Brother Mark? Say, well, didn't God give the law? God did give the law. You say, well, did the law have a purpose? Yes, the law had a purpose. Were they supposed to have been circumcised? That was a sign to the nation of Israel. And you say, well, what is all this about? It is about this one truth, and it's the one thing that the world, religious world is still fighting over today, and that is this, either justification by faith is enough or it is not. And so here they're saying you've got to be circumcised, you've got to go back and to keep the law. And notice the little word needful. It's not their chose to, it's not just the way they chose to live, but they added works to salvation. You know why people want to add works to salvation? It's because they want some credit for it. They want some recognition for it. It's prideful. Warren Wearsby said it this way, they were mixing law and grace to pour new wine into old bottles. They were stitching up the veil. They were blocking out the new and living way. They were rebuilding the wall that was the separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. They were putting the yoke of the bondage on the Gentile shoulders that they couldn't bear themselves. They were moving from light back into darkness. Now, I'm going to, in just a moment, we'll go a step further, and I'm going to be hard for some of you to, you say, man, you're being awful hard, but I want you to understand this. Either the Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient or if he's not, if his sacrifice on the cross is not sufficient for me, then I am, I am lost, I am undone, and we are all miserably, hopelessly lost. But if it is sufficient, then good works does nothing but clarify our position. Notice the disagreement or the discussion. Then notice with me a second thing. They're nailing down the second thing, and that is the doctrine of salvation. So they're having, this is not a church council like a denomination would have, but as the elders and the apostles are there, they're discussing what is the role of the law. As I said to you a moment ago, this was a time of transition, and I'm glad that has been clarified for us in the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, the book of Ephesians. It's clear. For by grace are you saved through faith, and it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And, and so we understand the position that we have. But notice here it says in verse number 7, it says, And when they were been much disputing, <laughs> uh, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, notice what he didn't say. He never said doctrine doesn't matter. Now in today's world, when there's a discussion on doctrine, they say, well, it don't matter. We believe in God, you believe in God. But that's not what happened here. Peter stood up. There had been much disputing, and Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. He says, now... Peter reviews to them. He says, you know what has happened and you know the story of Cornelius and, and you know how God had told me not to call uh, anything unclean and, and in Acts chapter number 10, I believe it is, and he said, you know how Cornelius' house was saved. He said, you've heard me testify of that. He said, you can't argue with that. He says in verse number 8, and God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness. 
giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did in us. And he says, so you know I went and preached to the Gentiles, and you know how God gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said this, God knows their hearts. You say, what does that mean? It's real simple. The only people that have the Holy Spirit of God are saved people. Ephesians says this, that God gives us the Spirit of God and we're sealed unto the day of redemption. The Spirit of God never leaves us. He seals us unto the day of redemption. If we're a part of the family of God, we're always a part of the family of God. And he says, you know God knows their hearts. And he gave them the Spirit of God. Then he goes on, he says, and he put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Notice that. He said, he said he put no difference in them and us. And he said this. He said he purified their hearts. What? By faith. So we know that. So if, if Peter, now stay with me for just a minute. If the apostle Peter went and preached justification by faith through grace, it is a gift of God, not of yourselves. And they accepted the Lord. And the Lord God, the Bible says this, that God knows their hearts. He gave them the spirit of God. And if that was enough for them then, then why is that not enough for them now? He said God had purified their hearts by faith. And then he goes on and Verse number 10, he says, Now, therefore, why tempt ye God? He says, It's not them you've got a problem with. It's God you've got a problem with. He says, Why, therefore, tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples? Neither our fathers nor we were able to bear it. He said, You know we couldn't keep the law, and we know it was given to us. He said, Why are you going to put that yoke of bondage back on them? Here's the point. The law can never justify. Notice the summary statement in verse number 11. But we believe that through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now notice this. He didn't say they should be saved like us. He said, no, we've seen what God's done to them and we believe by justification by faith, we can be saved just like they are. You say, what's so significant about it? Hold your place here and go with me to the book of Galatians. Because later there's a little more staggering statement. It will read in verse number 24 of this chapter that we'll get to in a moment. said that they were subverting their souls. That they were, they were subverting their souls. And go to Galatians chapter number 1 with me and we'll see this. You say, Brother Mark, are you mad that everybody doesn't believe what you believe? No, I'm not mad that everybody doesn't believe what I believe. But I am going to say this. I'm never backing down from justification by faith and grace alone. You add one work to salvation, it is no more by faith, by grace. You say, what about a spiritual act like baptism? That is a spiritual act and we're commanded. But the Bible says nowhere that we're to be saved by baptism. You say, what about the crowd that says, well, you've got to do enough good works and you've got to hold on and you've got to persevere to the end. I'm not persevering. I have one that has persevered for me. You say, does that mean you live like you want to? No, we'll get to that in just a moment. But notice what he says in Galatians chapter number two. This is the other side of that story. In Galatians chapter number two, he, he's writing back to the church and he said, in verse one, he says, 14 years ago, I went up again uh, to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me and I went up by revelation and communication unto them that the gospel which I preached unto the Gentiles but privately to them which were a reputation lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Notice he says in verse number three, he says, but neither Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised 
And that because of the false brethren unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty which we had in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage. He said, that crowd that came teaching other stuff, he said, that's no problem. Look in verse number five. He says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And he says, he says I, I have to do what I have to do for the truth of the gospel. Notice he goes on, and I don't have time to get into all this, but in verse number 11, he talks about Peter. He said, Peter, he said, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Because he says in verse 12, he says, when those that were from the Jews, he said that he feared the circumcision and he, he acted one way and wouldn't eat with the Gentiles. But notice in verse number 14, he says, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto them, Peter, before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? For we who are Jews by nature are not sinners of the Gentile. Notice verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now that's pretty simple, isn't it? You say, Brother Mark, I, I tell you this, if, if, I, if I'm saved and then I do some good works, maybe God will let me into heaven. I hope I get in. Well, then you're not truly justified by faith. My faith is completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have a hope so salvation. He didn't make a down payment and I'm paying $19.95 a month. Either he paid it all or he didn't pay any of it out all. Matter of fact, go back in Galatians chapter number one. You say, how important is this? He says in verse number six, he says in chapter one, Galatians one, he said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach unto you any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And we said before, so say now I again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than you've received, let him be accursed. Now I didn't write that. That's stronger language than we would use. But he said, let him be anathema. Let him be accursed. Let him be, let him be damned. Let him be uh, separated from God. He said, if somebody comes and preaches a gospel other than justification by faith in Christ alone, he said, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. Let him be separated from God. So you say to me, Brother Mark, as long as you're religious, it's okay. Well, I don't find that in Scripture. I'm sorry. You say, well, I believe in Jesus and. Well, then you don't believe in Jesus at all. Jesus, you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ sacrifice and something else. You don't have faith in the cross and something else. The Bible says this, that the law that God himself gave can't purify, can't justify, can't make someone righteous. So if you think the law that the Lord Jesus Christ even came and fulfilled that God himself gave, if it cannot justify man, then what makes you think your good works can? I'll say it to you this way. It's real simple. Your good works don't justify. Your baptism doesn't purify. And your sincerity doesn't redeem. Somebody may say to me, if I ask you a question, now here's what I want you to understand. I want everybody to look at me for just a second. If I say to you, you're going to heaven, and you tell me I was baptized on such that I didn't ask you if you was baptized. Baptism won't save you. You can go in that baptistry, a wet sinner, and come out 
I mean, go in a dry center, come out a wet center. You say, well, I give tithes and offerings. You can give everything you've got away. That does not save you. The Bible says real simple that here it is by faith through grace. You say, what's grace? Look, grace is the unmerited favor of God. You say, what does that mean, justified? Man, that's a, that's a legal term. Justified means this, that we are standing righteous before God. I'm no longer on my record. I'm on the record of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing on my own to cling to. I only have the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they were disputing and, and someone said, well, the law's good, the law's good, the law's good, that's fine. But the law cannot redeem. And he says, you know we cannot allow this in. To the world today, listen to me. They don't like what I'm saying to you today. They say, well, I'm a pretty good fella. I'm a moral fella. Well, if morality would do it, then Christ would come in vain. So I'm a good-hearted person. Well, you're not good-hearted. I'm sorry. According to that book, you're, there's none good. No, not one. And you say, well, I'm seeking after God. The Bible says there's nobody seeking after God. But he does all the seeking. And he does, listen to me, he does all the saving. And please don't miss this. He does all the securing. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is all him or it is not him at all. And they, you say early in the church, they, they, they were disputing these things and they were discussing these things and they ended with this conversation. They said, it is all Christ or not Christ at all. So it's the doctrine of salvation. It's, it's important. By grace through faith and then not of yourselves. Notice the third thing quickly with me and I, I promise I'm almost done. You notice their decision. Acts chapter 15, it, it says real simple that it says in James, who was the half-brother of, of our Lord and many believe was saved after the resurrection. He says, and he's a leader. We learn later in the church, he's a leader in the church of Jerusalem. Many believe maybe to be the pastor of Jerusalem. He wrote later for us the book of James and he had a strong understanding, a strong love for the law. But notice he says in after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, which declared how God at first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agreed the words of the prophet as it is written, And this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up again. I don't have time to get into this this morning, but the Jews were afraid that the Gentiles were taking their place in the plan of God. They, they didn't have a full understanding of it yet. It says in that the residue of men might seek the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. He says in verse 18, please don't miss this. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Can I say this to you? Just put a little parenthesis there. Look, the church was always in God's plan. <laughs> If you look in Ephesians, it says it was according to the eternal purpose of Christ. The church was not plan B. The church was always in God's plan. So what do you mean by the church? Those that are saved Jews and saved Gentiles, they comprise the church of God. It says in verse 19, he says, Wherefore my sentence is, if we trouble them not, which are among the Gentiles, or turn to God. He says, But that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled with blood. And Moses, for Moses of old time had preached in every city, that them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. You go on down through there, and so it says in verse 23 there, writing letters to the Gentile churches. 
In verse 24, I, I said this to you. He says, they, they wanted to know that they were certain that went out. They've troubled you with the words. They're subverting your soul, saying you must keep the circumstances. They said, that is not the position that we're taking. Those people are not teaching an authority. He says in verse 25 and 26, he says, you, you accept Paul and Barnabas and the men that I'm sending with them. They've hazarded their life. They send Bersabbas and, and Silas with them. And I want you to understand something. Here's the point. The, the, the agreement that was reached or the decision that was made is said, yes, you're right. And they write these letters and said, now it's justification by faith. You do not have to keep the law. They send other workers with them from the church of Jerusalem that had hazarded their life. And But now notice this with me. You say, Brother Mark, some people say to me, well, Brother Mark, what you preached just a moment ago is a, is a dangerous doctrine, eternal security, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, it is a Bible doctrine. But it is not the complete picture of salvation. Even here, they leave it and they said this. But now I want to explain something to you. you, you still, there's still some things to abstain from. They hadn't got the book of Romans yet that later said, should I, should I continue in sin that grace should abound? And they said, no, God forbid. There are things that is a, we're to put off as the old man and put on the new man. And here he makes two statements. Simply says this, you should abstain from idolatry and you should abstain from living in an impure life. He says, abstain from idolatry and immorality. He said, abstain from fornication and, and those things that are not right. And he says, and he makes some statements quickly. He makes some statements about strangulation of blood and you say what was the significance about that because those were still Jews that believed that there was a certain way they were eating and we learn in the early New Testament church that often they were meeting in homes and having meals together and so the only thing they asked was a concession of those Gentiles said well when we have those meals together don't bring in something that we would consider unclean you say what is that that is just simple Christian concession that is honor and honor preferring one another you take someone who had never eaten what they would call an unclean animal and for a Gentile to bring that in, that would bring, look at me, that would bring quite a dissension in the church. And so here in matter of doctrine, listen, a matter of doctrine, we're not budging. A matter of Christian liberty and principle, so won't you give a little? And here's the principle. The unity of the church is of great value. You say to me, I don't like that music. I don't like it when that one sings. So I don't like that. I don't like the color of this. You may even say to me this morning, I don't like that sign. I wish the sign was red. Or I wish the sign was green. And my point to you is those are matters of Christian liberty. But doctrine, we will not budge on. And I'm going to say this to you. You need to be careful who's teaching your children doctrine. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I've hit creationism pretty hard. <laughs> you say, why? Because Maddie happens to be in biology too. And I don't believe in billions of years. Man showed up on day six. We've already talked about that. And you say, well, that's an easy dissension. We can... You say, well, Brother Mark, I'm gonna get that. I don't believe in evolution either. But let me say this to you. If you're not careful, you'll let someone else teach your children. And, and if you're not careful, it'll, the Bible uses this word subvert. It uses the idea of packing luggage to go somewhere else. That's literally what that word subvert means, going on a journey. And if you're not careful, you'll let what we call good people teach your children there's another way to God. 
Paul said, Peter said, Paul said, Barnabas said, Silas said, no, 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 no. They all said, we, we can't do that. James said, I was raised in the law. It's all I'd ever known. But no, you, you fellas are right. And I give you this concept. And let me give you this fourth thing. And I'm done. Notice the departing. It says this in verse 35. I read it to you that Paul and Barnabas were teaching in Antioch. If you go back in verse 34, Silas is, is staying there teaching. And so they're going on and teaching. But it says in verse 36, and, and some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go into again and visit our brethren in every city which we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take with them who departed from them in Pamphylia and went out, went not with them to the work. You say, what's the point if you weren't here with us? But when they started out on that first missionary journey, they took John Mark. They didn't get very far in it, and he turned back. And we know John Mark was believed to be the cousin of Barnabas, and so they, they stayed. Barnabas wants to take him. Old Paul said, no, we ain't taking him. He said, how do you know that? Look at verse number 29. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. Now, that, that's pretty strong language. So here they come to a point in their ministry where they're departing from one another. They said, now, I want to take John Mark. Barnum said, no, we ain't taking John. Uh, Paul said, no, we ain't taking John Mark. said, he already left us one. By the way, I'm thankful that later in the in Paul's ministry, at the end of the journey, he says, bring, bring Mark, John Mark with us. He's profitable for me for the ministry. I'm glad even though at this time Paul said no, but later he, he recognized his hand on his life. But here's where I want you to go. It says, and notice with me. And they departed asunder one from another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and to Sicily, confirming the churches. Now, here's the point. You say, Brother Mark, uh, you just read a historical account. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want, you, I want everybody to look at me for just a minute. I'm going to explain it real simple. Christian brethren disagreed on a personality, not on doctrine. And when they disagreed on a personality, they departed. They had tough words. And it was tough because Paul and Barnabas had been fighting together against the religious leaders and the Jews, and now they're fighting each other. But here's the point I want you to understand. They both sailed on preaching the gospel. You say, what's the application? I don't know anybody that ever goes to church very long that somebody doesn't say something to hurt them. I don't know anybody in life that doesn't get hurt. But what you find at the end of Acts chapter number 15, Paul and Barnabas might not have been working together at that point. Later they worked together, but they were both working for the cause of Christ. You say, Brother Mark, what's the application? Here's the thing. If we let the world right now, there are some hot topic buttons that will split the church. And I say this to you. If you get out of church, you say, well, I got out of church because of X or because this one said this, then you don't find a Bible pattern. You say, they got, such a, they got in such a heated argument that they went their separate ways. But here's my point. They both went on serving the Lord.
I give you this practical application. What does it take to stop you? So I don't agree with what this one did or I don't agree with what that one said and I don't agree with doing this and I don't agree with that, so I'm going to go home and do nothing. You won't find that in Scripture. What you find is, look at me, both of them sailed on with the gospel of God. And I'm going to give you this challenge. Somebody's going to say something, especially in the world today that we live in, somebody's going to say something that, that you disagree with. But don't let it stop you from serving the Lord. You say, well, I don't know why we have to have this disagreement. I don't know why they had to have that disagreement. All I know is at the end of this chapter, instead of one missionary team, you got two missionary teams, one going that way and one going that way. God had a way of multiplying his work. I don't know why that happened, but it happened. And I ask you this simple question. I close with these questions. Number one, are you completely trusting in Christ? If you're relying on yourself to get in, uh, pardon the English, you ain't getting in. It is an affront, and it is hypocrisy, and it is pride for you to think you've earned any part of your salvation. And then I ask you the question, are you being subverted? Are you being led astray? You willing to give your life for Christ? And then I ask you the last question. What does it take to stop you? What, what does it take to stop you from serving the Lord? They, they dealt with their disagreement. They, they lined up on doctrine and said, we're not budging here. He said, but if the Gentiles won't come in and eat with the Jews, and what we would call potluck, we'd appreciate if you didn't bring them strangled animals. It's offensive to us. The abstain from fornication, we understand. He says, but we'd appreciate it. So there's some Christian, listen to me, there's some Christian liberty that every now and then we show deference to one another. You say, why is that important? Because the gospel must go, and the Bible says this, they continue teaching and preaching the word of God. I want you to bow with me in prayer. 